0: to Throwing high into the air. Parker
1: touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network, covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Friday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of. Of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, this is the last time you're going to hear from me before we have a mark in the win loss column because game day is on Sunday. We'll have you covered post game, but today we're going to get you the last injury report for Sunday's game, the keys to victory, and we'll hear from Jay Fiedler as we flash it back to 2000 when the Dolphins went into New England and took home the AFC East Crown. All of that and more on this Friday, September the 11th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins... And as we do every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to start with the injury report on the Drive Time podcast. And it is good news on the Dolphins' injury front. Seven players listed as full participants in practice on Friday, with Clayton Fedgelum, the safety, listed as limited. He will be doubtful for the game, but Mike Kosicki, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Devontae Parker, Tua Bailoa, Kyle Van Noy, and Preston Williams, all full participants on Friday and are expected to play on Sunday. For the Patriots. Two players listed as out who did not practice on Friday, wide receiver Gunnar Olszewski and offensive lineman Yadni Kajust. Four players questionable and wide receiver Nikhil Harry, tight end Dalton King, linebacker Cash Maluia, defensive lineman Chase Winovich, and two players who were listed on Thursday are no longer on the report and receiver Julian Edelman and cornerback Stephon Gilmore will both play. So that's your injury report heading into Sunday up in Foxborough. And if you haven't checked it out yet, John Congemi's three keys are back on MiamiDolphins.com. He also will have three takeaways on Sunday night. Not going to read the details of the story. You can check it out for yourself, but here John talks about being better fundamentally for the Patriots game, key aspect of winning that game, win the turnover margin is key number two, and limit unscripted plays from Cam Newton. He talks about anytime you face a dual-threat quarterback like Cam Newton, you must expect the unexpected. So go check out John Congemi's three keys. Go check out my Dolphins and Patriots preview, taking a look at all the personnel usage. The snap counts from last year, the players they had to replace, the key matchups, tons of good content for you guys for this game ahead of this game on Sunday up on MiamiDolphins.com. Okay, let's go ahead and spin things backwards towards the flashback 2000 season. It was the first year the Dolphins were without Dan Marino as the opening day quarterback since 1983, his rookie season. We're going to talk about the season finale that year up in New England, a Christmas Eve game, December, rather, the 24th up in Foxborough. Dolphins win it 27-24 on a late Olindo Mare field goal. The Dolphins began that season red hot, out of the gates beating the Seahawks they drop week two to the Vikings, then whip, rip off four more wins in a row. After that, lose to the Jets on the Monday Night Miracle, which we'll talk to Jay about that, I think. They won three games after that, lost one again to the stinking Jets, then won two games, lost two more, and then won in New England to go to 11-5 to capture the AFC East. And in that particular game, it was a crazy one. We're going to talk to Jay about the details of how that game ended for you longtime Dolphins fans out there. You know they had to win the division twice because they were brought back onto the field for the final play of that game. A good fourth quarter comeback. The Dolphins scored 10 points in that fourth quarter to close a deficit with a one-yard Lamar Smith touchdown run with four minutes to go to tie the game and then a field goal with nine seconds left from 49 yards from Olindo Mare who avenged a 28-yard miss earlier in that half and the big difference in the game was the fact that Dolphins protected the football, didn't turn it over. The Patriots turned it over three times in that game. They did outgain Miami 348 to 310 yards, but the Dolphins outpossessed the Patriots 35 to 25 minutes on the time of possession. Third downs, Dolphins were 8 of 17. Patriots were 4 of 10. So pretty even there. As far as the individual stats, Lamar Smith just could not get it going on this day. 20 carries, 26 yards, scored two touchdowns. We're going to talk to Jay about That and kind of how the Dolphins had to adapt their approach to offense on that day as he threw the ball 45 times, completed 30 of them for 264 yards, one touchdown was sacked a pair of times. And it seems like every time you go back to these old school games and you look at the box scores... There's Jason Taylor with an interception. There's Zach Thomas with an interception and a a fumble recovery from Brock Marion on a hell of a play from Derek Rogers, who punched the ball out of Jermaine Wiggins' hands going into the end zone. Really kind of turned the tide of that game. Let's go ahead now and get to my guest, Jay Fiedler, who talks about the Dolphins' AFC East clinching win in New England, Week 17, December 24th of 2000. And riding shotgun here on the Drive Time podcast is Dolphins quarterback from 2000 to 2004. He won a pair of division titles here in Miami, including that epic come-from-behind win over the Colts in the 2000 Wild Card playoffs. He is Jay Fiedler. Jay, thank you so much for jumping on with us, man.
0: Absolutely, good to be here with you, Travis.
1: Well, Jay, we're going to talk about the season finale in 2000, but first I want to go back to the start of the season that year because we've got opening day right around the corner here in Miami in that shutout victory over the Seattle Seahawks, my hometown Seahawks. And I just want to get your thoughts on what it was like for you with the opening day nerves or jitters. Did you have any of that going into that first year, especially your first year starting here as the quarterback in Miami?
0: Uh, well, you, you know, you, you, have your excitement. Uh, I, I wouldn't call it nerves. Uh, you know, it was a long road for me to get to, to a position where I was a, a full-time starting quarterback, uh, in the league. And, uh, you know, I grinded it out. I worked myself up, uh, you know, from being out of the league, uh, for a couple of years, uh, coming back in Minnesota for a year, uh, getting my first start and first real action, uh, in 99 with the, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and then uh, you know, coming to uh, to the Dolphins and having a chance to, to compete for a starting job, and and you know, going out and, and being the leader uh, uh, in the clubhouse basically for for you know most of the preseason, and and going into training camp, and uh, you know, and then I had a hip injury, and I didn't know what was going to happen. I had a surgery on my hip, put uh, me out for for. for uh, three weeks, uh, right in the middle of preseason. I was able to come back to that last preseason game, and then, uh, and then the season started, and uh, and I was out there, and it was, you know, it was exciting. It was, uh, you know, a long journey to get there, you know. But my makeup has always been, uh, you know, to be very even keel, to be very, uh, you know, focused on on a task at hand, and. Uh, uh, you know, I felt like I was very prepared going into uh, that first game, so so the nerves, you know, really weren't, uh, you know, uh, weren't there for me. It was more excitement to, uh, about getting out and, and starting the season up.
1: I feel like that's got to be just a difference between athlete and non-athlete because. Even as a fan sometimes, Jay, like I'm sitting there an hour before kickoff, like, man, I am, my stomach is turning over right now and I'm not even going out there to play. And like back in my day as like a baseball player, for instance, I would get up to the, to the plate and be like, man, this is too much for me to handle. So I think that maybe yeah. is the Well, there's too. no
0: doubt. You know, the the, the pregame jitters, uh, you know, they, they happen it's for better. everyone and yeah. and you know, the, the, there's routines that everyone goes through in the locker room and some are, are more nervous than others and <laughs> some have to, you know, use the facilities a little bit more. And, uh, you know, but I think, you know, the guys that that go out and know that they're prepared, uh, you know, once the once the ball is snapped and the game starts up, you know, everything else is lost and, uh, and you just go out there and, and perform and do your
1: duty. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I was thinking about the uh... – Any given Sunday, the Willie Beeman, you know, in the locker room, you mentioned kind of using the facilities a little extra. Was there anybody on the team that in your time in the NFL that kind of had that routine of going to the bathroom and getting some stuff out?
0: (laughs) Uh, Not that I know of. Uh, You know, I wasn't hanging out in the bathroom, you know, looking for for people. But, uh, you know, there were definitely people that went in and out, uh, you know, more than a few times.
1: (laughs) So you guys get that season-opening win. You get the first win under your belt. probably really helps calm the nerves from there. The season progresses on, and it's one of kind of streaks, you know, a bunch of wins and then a loss sandwiched in there. And they were stopped twice by, and I'm going to use PC language here, the friggin' Jets, Jay. And, you know, as a fan, games can kind of linger for days and sometimes even all the way up until the next Sunday. But I know that you guys as players have the 24-hour rule, right? You, You get over a game 24 hours later. I have to imagine that Monday night... Monstrosity, as we'll call it, had to push past one day of thinking about that game. Right?
0: Uh, well, that, w- that was not an easy one to get over. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know that that game went into about uh, two, three in the morning. Uh, you know, by the time that we were done with it and out of the stadium, and and uh, you know, getting on the plane ride home, which was, which was a, an awful plane ride. You know, not only are you in the middle of the night, uh, you know, going into the next morning uh, exhausted uh, from it, but, uh, you know, you just lost a heartbreaking game. And, and uh, um, you know, but like you said, uh, you know, we were all professionals. Uh, uh, it, it was a tough one to get past, but, uh, you know, we took the next day off. Uh, um, you know, obviously uh, certain people went in and, and got uh, – uh, you know some treatment and, and workouts and and just recovery uh, day but uh, you know by the time we got back to work on Wednesday it was on to the next game and uh, and you know we knew we were still in good position right there you know it wasn't like uh, you know we lost and we were knocked out of uh, of contention for anything um, you know it was, it was a tough loss against the big rival and and uh you know, something that uh, you know, like we said, was was a real heartbreaker. But uh, you know, we knew we were still. You know, I think we were five and two at the time uh, uh, after that game. So you know, we, we were in great position going forward uh, to continue and and having a good season.
1: Yeah, I'm sure a bunch of Dolphins fans' children went to bed that night thinking six and one. They wake up five and two. A rough go there. We we had the. Uh, the Jason Taylor Poker uh, Foundation tournament the other day, and he was talking yep. about that game a little bit. And he said, yeah, try being mic'd up for that game because <laughs> he got caught <laughs> a few times, you know, giving the Jets fans a little bit of a ribbing <laughs> on the side. Well, he got, caught, he got caught w- with me on
0: uh, on tape also, uh, you know, coming over, and I didn't even realize he was mic'd up or anything. But, uh, you know, it was, it was funny, uh, you know, going into that game, you know, the, I think it was a, a a six to seven game losing streak to the jets. Uh, and then also, you know, the jets had 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 a few comeback victories earlier in this, in, in the year, uh, that year. So, you know, uh, you know, we got out to the big lead and, and we were, you know, feeling great on the sideline and, you know, all the talk all week was, you know, how the jets had our number and, uh, and you know how they had some big you know comeback victories so I want I can I went up to him and we were just talking and and we were just uh you know bannering back and forth and I say listen you know we're not gonna let them come back on us uh you know today like they have you know the past few games and and that got caught on tape and I know uh you know that gets replayed every single time but you know for me it was more you know talking about hey let's go out and do it we're not gonna let them come back and you know uh that one backfired
1: a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had that, that bomb. To, I think it was Dietrich Ward right after the Jets kind of had that touchdown yep. to initially come back. And that was when I was like, okay, this game is right back where we want it. It's, it's in the books, but didn't go that way. and uh, you know,
0: I threw that too soon. I should have waited a few plays. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you know. Run some clock. <laughs> <laughs> we gave him too much time to come back and, uh, and get Jumbo Elliott uh, in the end zone at the end there.
1: Hey, somebody had to say his name. I'll let you do it there. Jumbo friggin' Elliott, man. <laughs> but you guys did rebound, Jay. You won the division in Week 17, obviously a couple months later, with a win yep. over the Patriots. And the really interesting aspect of that game comes late on the final play. Let's go ahead and go back to the top, though, and circle back to that moment and conclude with that. I want to first talk about maybe the game plan, or maybe it was just the way the game evolved for you guys, because going into that game, that season, you guys threw the ball 421 times. You ran it 496, a balance that today is unheard of in the NFL. And I want to go somewhere with this point just in a second. But first, I'm curious, Jay, because how do you as a quarterback approach then compared to now? how is your approach different when maybe you didn't know how many opportunities you might have in a game where it's more about running the football and controlling the clock compared to today where guys are throwing the ball 40 times every single game. Does that change the approach for the quarterback you think?
0: Uh, Yeah, it can. Uh, You know, I think, uh, you know, the game has certainly evolved a a lot and uh, you know, the, the passing game has kind of been, you know, as, as, as an extension off a running game. You know, all the quick passes, the quick screens, the the dumps underneath. It's basically like, you know, the safe running plays now, but they're doing it in the air and spreading spreading teams out. And, and you know, there's so much uh, athleticism out there on the field, uh, you know, to, 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 to give guys a chance to just get into open space. And that's, you know, that's the way the game's played now, uh, you know, as compared to, uh you know back 20 years ago and and you know certainly if you go back to to the to the 70s dolphins uh you know the power running game and 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 uh you know being able to to exert your will up front with the with a strong offensive line and, and a run game and control the the clock uh you know that was part of uh you know really uh, managing managing a football game but uh you know I think when, when the rules started to change uh you know uh, restricting defensive uh, backs from, from really impeding and, and getting, uh, uh, you know, on the uh, receivers, uh, you know, increasing the, the amount of, uh, of pass interference uh, calls that are out there. Uh, you know, the passing game became a, a heck of a lot more effective, and, and now you see it, you know, being utilized that way. Uh, you know, and, that, and that's why you see, you know, number one, that the tight ends are so much more uh, in play uh, nowadays than they, than they were in the past, uh, and because pass interference, uh, you know, you can't. You can't hit a defenseless uh, receiver anymore. You know, back in that day, you know, if you throw a tight end across the middle and uh, you know he jumps up for the ball, he's getting his head knocked off, uh, <laughs> and you know, probably going to be out of the game for a little bit of while, a little while. You know, now you can't target anyone that way. And uh, you know, if you're a six foot six, two hundred eighty pound uh, uh, guy running down the middle of the field, there aren't too many defensive backs that's going to hit you in the stomach or the ribs and 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 knock you out. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the risk reward of, of throwing the ball now, uh, you know, is a lot far, you know, a lot more on the reward side than it was, you know, 20 years ago.
1: Yeah. I'm sure you'd love to have your completion percentage boosted by the extension of the running game, right? Those little quick hitters it, and swings and, it, and exactly
0: the screens, the bubbles, <laughs> the, 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 quick dumps, the shovel passes, yeah, the uh, shovel. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you name it, uh, you know, uh, I love it. I love it when the guys take the take the handoff and just toss it forward to, you know, to a wildcat guy coming across. And now you get, uh, you know, 60 yards worth of, uh, of a reception and, and uh, you know, one for one for 60 yards. I tossed it uh, to two inches to the guy in front of me.
1: Just handed it off forward instead of behind you. It's a pretty, exactly. pretty nice little stat booster there. But I do ask about the balance because you threw the ball 45 times of the 421 yep. in that particular game compared to 20 carries for Lamar. And he only had 26 yards in that game, albeit two rushing touchdowns. Was that a case of, and we're talking about a coach who's still there in New England. Was that a case of Bill Belichick maybe saying, your guy's not, you're not going to run the ball on us. You're going to beat us with Jay Fiedler. And how did the lack of success on the ground impact your approach to the game?
0: Well, so, you know, certainly, uh, you know, that was really a game plan uh, decision. And it also, you know, it was a matter of the course of the game, too. Uh, you know, we got behind uh, early, uh, I think, uh, a couple of touchdowns. So, you know, we were a little bit more reliant on, on using the passing game to, uh, you know, to, to, to make a comeback and, and uh, you know, get back in the game. And, and uh, you know, in addition to that, obviously... You know, Bill Belichick is a guy that's, you know, going to try and take away what you, what you do best. And what we did best, you know, for, for the majority of that season was, you know, control the game uh, with the run. So, you know, they were stacking the line early, you know, and allowed us to, to, to make some plays in, in the passing game. And we had some, you know, some good one-on-one matchups on the outside that uh, we were able to take advantage of. And, uh, um, you know, I think we passed the ball over 40 times uh, that game. Uh, and, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, allowed us to, to to move the ball and be effective, uh, uh, you know, the fact that they stacked the line up and, and left us with some, you know, some opportunities on the outside.
1: You mentioned the kind of getting behind early in that game. I think the thing that probably sparked the comeback initially was Derek Rogers having one of the best strips I've ever seen. We talk about, you know, we see the guys practice out on the field every day here, working on stripping from behind but it never really happens in a game situation, but he did get the ball out of Jermaine Wiggins hands as he was getting close to the end zone and extending the lead to 14 points there at the end of the third quarter. Now I'm curious, Jay, momentum is a hot sports debate, a hot topic. Like, does it exist in your opinion? Does momentum exist and how did it impact the game on that play?
0: Oh, it it absolutely exists. Uh, you know, momentum is a huge factor, especially in in the game of football, uh, you know, where you get some ebbs and flows and, 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 uh, uh, you know, a hot team can, can stay hot until, uh, and, and, and you know, uh, a spark goes the other way. And, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, uh, I mean, watching uh, Jermaine Wiggins catch the ball and, and, and run ahead of everyone on the defense, you know, was something like, oh, my God, here we are. We're You know, we're in the third quarter. We're about to go down two touchdowns. And, and all of a sudden, Derek Rodgers comes flying from behind, and, and you see the ball go out, and everyone's, you know, hollering and yelling, and uh, and, and we jump on it. Uh, you know, it gave us a huge spark, uh, you know, coming back uh, into that game to be, you know, only down seven points at that point uh, and, and have a chance you know, to to make a comeback run.
1: So after that play, and all I have to go off of here, Jay, is the YouTube highlight from NFL primetime, which it's great, by the way, there's like a little blip in the beginning that kind of had the audio goes okay. off. So it's like a, it shows you like the vintage level of it. I watched it that day, just had a great time with it. But nice. you, you come back right after that with a big scramble play. Things kind of break down around you. You take it down to the plus 19 yard line, and there's a lot to unpack here on this play. Let's go ahead and start off the top because Chris Berman, the you know legendary ESPN <laughs> football voice of football there, mentions that you had more. Starts than any Ivy League quarterback that year since the merger. That's got to be a real sense of pride for you, right?
0: Well, certainly. And Chris Berman, being an Ivy League guy himself, he's always looking to promote, the, <laughs> you know, the Ivy players that are out there. So. Uh, uh, you know, certainly with Fitz down there in, in, in Miami, he gets a lot of love from, from Bourbon. And, uh, you know, anytime there's a brown guy in the league, uh, you know, they're getting highlighted every time uh, w- with him. But, uh, yeah, he was he was great. He loved me. Uh, uh, you know, and anytime uh, he, he could highlight the guys in the Ivy, uh, you know, it was fun to listen to and, and, uh, and hear him go out there.
1: So you mentioned Fitzpatrick. You, is there any like Dartmouth, Dartmouth, Harvard trash talk that happens there between you guys, between you two guys?
0: Oh, absolutely. Anytime we see each other, of course, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, he's great. Uh, you know, Fitz is such a great guy and, and, uh, you know, it's been, it's been real fun watching him, uh, you know, uh, play all over the, all over the league and, uh, you know, really fun the last couple of years seeing him down in Miami and, uh, uh, you know, have the success that, uh, that, 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 that he's had. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that just grinds it out and, and uh, you know, does whatever it takes to, to go out and win. And, uh, you know, I love seeing that.
1: Yeah, he's a lot of fun to watch. Kind of reminds me of the way you play, you know, really just kind of out there enjoying it and, and playing your hardest and really showing that grit and toughness. It's it's fun to watch quarterbacks like that play the game. It's maybe a bit more of a rare breed these days, Jace. So we appreciate that, that approach sure. to the game. My next question for you was about primetime, but you kind of answered that well for me. So I'm going to ask you, you know, Berman is known for giving out those nicknames or dropping little tidbits there in the game. It, did, did you guys like ever pick up those nicknames and call each other that in the locker room or did, were those something that stuck or was that just, was that just a, a TV thing?
0: Uh, I, I don't know if very many of them stuck in the stuck in the locker room, but, uh, you know, I think everyone was aware of it. Uh, you know, primetime was, you know, everyone watched it. Uh, you know, you, you finish up your games, uh, especially if you had an afternoon game, uh, on Sunday and, uh, uh, you know, you're watching the Sunday night game and, and, you know, you, you, you flick over to, and prime time's on and, and, uh, you know, it was just fun hearing him. He was just such a great announcer and, uh, he made it fun to watch football and, uh, you know, as, as a, as a fan and a player, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, there were, there were certain guys that definitely, uh, you know, took to those nicknames and, 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 Uh, continue spreading it around. But uh, yeah, I think there were other nicknames that were, that were made in the locker room that, that stuck a little bit longer.
1: I uh, remember the Chris Chambers time has come today. It was one of my favorite ones he ever used. And he yep. uses every time he scored a touchdown too. So plenty of those from you to Chris Chambers there. We're going to talk to Chris next week about the Buffalo comeback in 2005, year after you were gone. But we'll we'll get that on yep. the Flashback Podcast. One more question here regarding that play that kind of started this conversation. You got lit up out of bounds on that play. And the flag yep. comes in. As a quarterback, does that stuff like ignite you and get more out of you getting that unnecessary hit out of bounds, or how does that affect like the way you approach the next player, the next series?
0: No, that's fine. You know, usually I am, I am, you know, pretty hyped up when, when, you know, when I take a good hit and you can just bounce right back up. Uh, I remember that hit uh, pretty well (laughs) uh, because that one stung for a little (laughs) bit. Uh, uh, You know, I remember the scramble. We get out, uh, you know, I run, uh, get out of bounds and, uh, you know, we were back in the old Foxborough Stadium. Uh, you know, this was before the new stadium. I think this was the last game at Foxborough. Uh, you know, so it was, it was like going to an old, you know, high school uh, stadium. The locker room's tiny. There's, uh, you know, no room in there. And the field out there, I mean, it was, you know, late December, uh, you know, almost Christmas time. The field was frozen solid like ice. And especially when you get over to the sideline area where, you know, you're not getting as much, uh, you know, play on it. Uh, and, I remember that, you know, area of the field, you I ran out of bounds and, you know, you could kind of feel your, cleats just, you know, sliding on, on the ice on top of the grass there and, you know, got hit and landed right on my tailbone on the ice. And that was, you know, that one definitely stung for a little while, but, you know, got back up and, 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 you know, shook it off. Uh, you know, I think we missed the field goal, uh, you know, right after that, uh, you know, short field goal, uh, and then we were able to to come back. Uh, you know, later on and and put ten points up. Uh, you know, at the end of the game. I think the last five minutes uh, to to play to to come back and win.
1: Yeah, so perfect segue right there because that was next to my notes here. Uh, Maray misses from twenty eight yards, and he's so reliable normally. And to go back to Chris Berman on the highlight, yeah. he mentions this. He says, "Here we go in December in Miami again." And as a fan, like that just brought back so many memories and feelings. I was curious, was the December swoon, if you want to call it that, something that you guys thought about? Did you like address it as a team? Like, where did that, where did you think that came from? And how much validity did you give the idea of the December collapse, as it were?
0: Well, you know, I mean, heck, that, that was my first season with Miami. So I didn't know anything about, mm-hmm. the, you know, a December collapse or, or anything like that. So for me, it was, you know, there was no validity to, 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 to any of that. Uh, um, you know, we, we knew we had, uh, you know, a chance to win that game and and, and go into the playoffs. And, uh, um, you know, it was, it was a, a great comeback victory uh, in the end. And, you know, I think uh, uh, after that missed field goal, we actually made a couple, uh, you know, big plays. I know, uh, uh, you know, it was a huge play on, on uh, you know, our touchdown drive that uh, uh, O.J. McDuffie made on a third and long uh you know, that, uh, you know, and OJ that, uh, you know, he was, you know, really reeling with his, with his toe injury. Uh, you know, it was kind of right at the end of his career. Uh, you know, he can only cut a certain way. Uh, he, he couldn't cut off his right foot. So we made every play that we had uh, him in the game on, it was all cuts to, to his right off his left foot, because if he tried cutting off his right foot, he couldn't get out of, out of, out of his break. Uh, you know, so remember we, we had him on a little short post, uh, uh, in, the, in that play, I snuck it right in there and, and he made an unbelievable play against a couple defenders leaning up, leading forward for the first down. That really sparked us. Uh, you know, you talk about uh, the spark from, from Derek Rogers, uh, play, you know, that was another spark, uh, you know, in, in the game that was, you know, early on a drive, uh, you know, to go down and, and tie the game. And I think we, we ran off, uh, uh, you know, about six or seven completions, uh, uh, after that play to drive all the way down and and cap it off with with Lamar scoring the touchdown uh to tie the game up and then you know i think the defense made another great play uh i think we got an interception uh uh after that and and uh you know was able to uh, another big play uh, third third down uh, to OJ to kind of uh, you know, get us in, in better field goal range, and and Orlando hit about a 50 yard field goal uh, to to win it with a few
1: seconds left. Your recall is out in, just outstanding, Jay. It's you're spot on with all that. So, so Juice catches that pass, gets walloped 15 yards, first down on third and 15. Awesome play from yeah. both you guys there. Uh, you you come back and you score the touchdown with Lamar Smith. You mentioned the big interception there. Zach Thomas makes the pick on that play, and then Mare connects from 49. Now, we talked about how reliable Orlando Mario was for you guys for so many years. After missing 28 yards, I have to imagine he came back and you guys had full confidence in him, right?
0: Oh, uh, Absolutely. You know, he was great all, all season long and, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, one of the better kickers uh, in the league at that, uh, you know, that uh, time, uh, you know, so we had, uh, you know, Tremendous confidence in him, and you know it was just a matter of getting him within range. And you know it was obviously it was a cold night. Uh, you know you, the, the ball doesn't fly as far. Uh, you know back then they had the the, the different kicking balls uh, that, that uh, you know came into the game, and they were all brand new uh, hard as rock, uh, you know, footballs that, uh, you know, you couldn't work up like, you know, like the quarterbacks do. Um, you know, so it was a little bit, uh, you know, tougher to get a 50, 55, 60 yard field goal, you know, back in those days, especially on a cold night. Uh, you know, so we were able to get that last, uh, you know, last play on third down just to get us in, in, in a little bit better field goal range and, and Mari nailed it, uh, uh you know that last kick and and then uh craziness ensued (laughs) after
1: that let's get into the craziness because (laughs) so you get the field goal i think it's i think it's nine seconds on the clock and the pats have to push the ball like 30 or 40 yards to even get in field goal range at that point you get the strip sack which to me still to this day looks like a a sack and a fumble but hey what do i know you're in the locker room you're division champs then i want to hear from your perspective like what happened next
0: well, we you know we were in the locker room celebrating, and and uh, you know I think Dave was was just about to you know he was just kind of starting up his mm-hmm. you know congratulations speech, and and as he's you know getting into it, all of a sudden Johnny Greer comes uh, you know walking into the locker room and uh, interrupts him, and you know we see him just kind of go back uh, you know towards the the, the entryway uh, with the referee, and we're not not sure what's going on. He comes back in. And he's like, "Yeah, we got to go back out for another play." Uh, you know, so you know, guys were guys were crazy. Uh, we were like, "What the heck is going on?" Uh, um, you know, obviously, it the defense had to, you know, had to get themselves ready. There were a few guys that came out, you know, just in their towels. I mean, they were guys in the shower uh, already. Uh, you know, everything was off. Uh, equipment was off. It was starting to get packed up. Uh, the equipment guys were, were packing up bags and, and everything. And they had to just pull everything right back out. Uh, you know, certainly the defense had to, had to, you know, get dressed for that one last play. play and, uh, you know, we, we were thankful that it didn't get extended after that because, uh, you know, we probably would have had to go back into the locker room and, and get a few more guys <laughs> dressed if, if it did. But, uh, uh, you know, it was one of those things. I think they got a call from, from the league office, uh, you know, and, and because – you know, our game had playoff implications. Uh, you know, they wanted to just make sure everything was by the book. And, and uh, um, you know, when they made that call, uh, you know, to, to make it an incompletion instead of a strip sack, uh, like you said, you know, I forced them to, to make us come out for, for one more play. And, uh, you know, last play was, was, was you know, I think they put Michael Bishop in, uh, yeah. you know, quarterback uh, Drew probably said, screw it. I, I took a shower also <laughs> and, uh, you know, didn't want to come out and, 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 and throw, a, throw a Hail Mary out there again But uh, you know, Bishop came out and, and he threw like a wounded duck about 40 yards uh, in the air, uh, you know, kind of anticlimactic uh, ending to, to the game. We were a lot more excited at, uh, at the end of the first regulation than, than the second regulation, but, you know, it's definitely – you know, great, uh, a great victory for us. Uh, you know, great, uh, you know, finish to the season, uh, to the regular season, and then you know, propelling us to go into the
1: playoffs. You know, you mentioned how cold it was that day. They showed guys on the, on the primetime highlight again, coming out in their slippers. And I was like, I know Foxborough <laughs> in December is not warm, but you mentioned it was even colder than usual. So <laughs> kudos to those guys for sticking it out and coming out there and freezing their butts off. But um, I was curious, Jay, we talked about two division tiles off the top of the podcast. Uh, does that count for three for you then since you won one, had to go to the locker room, come back, and get another <laughs> W out of that?
0: I'll go I'll go with that one, Travis. I like that.
1: <laughs> Good argument. Good deal. One more tidbit for you here on the game. Chris Berman, again, t- back to the, to the primetime highlight, he says that when you guys clinched the division on that final play, there was one fan in the stand and maybe a little bit of 2020 foreshadowing there. But they even identified the fan as Jeff McBride. So I thought that was really cool, just kind of tidbit they put in there, that there was one guy that stuck it out and hung out there to to watch, at the time, a 5-10 and 10 Patriots team come out and, and try to score a 70-yard touchdown, I guess, on you guys. Yeah, and that,
0: that was probably a buddy of Chris's that, uh, you know, he just wanted to get his name out there, there in, <laughs> in
1: the broadcast. I'm surprised he didn't get a nickname <laughs> out of that. But either way, and so there was some activity after the game and uh, Zach Thomas was talking to reporters and I saw this again on the highlight and he mentioned that it could only happen this year, the Florida recount and now this recount. So pretty, pretty funny parallels there. I've got one more question for you here, Jay. I'm always fascinated by the idea of how much fun it is on the team plane, the team charter after you guys win a game. But I've got to imagine that after clinching a division title, that's even better, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. It was a much better plane ride home on that one. than we talked about earlier with, uh, with, with the Jets, uh, game earlier in the season. Uh, you know, so yeah, you know, we, we had a great locker room. We had a great group of guys, uh, you know, ultra competitive, uh, a lot of fun to be around and, and we had our fun. So, uh, uh, you know, the plane ride home after, after a good victory, after clinching the playoffs, uh, you know, it was definitely a good one. And, uh, We we landed, and we were right back to work the next day uh, getting ready for Indy.
1: No days off, that's for sure. He is Jay Fiedler, Dolphins quarterback from 2000 to 2004. He also has an episode in the vault on the Fish Tank podcast, so make sure you guys go back and check that out if you haven't done so yet. Jay, we really appreciate your time today, man. Thank you.
0: It was my pleasure. It was good talking with you.
1: So there he goes. Jay Fiedler, always a good interview. Again, if you haven't heard his Fish Tank podcast, he actually mentioned at the end off the air that he does know Brian Flores from going way back. He talks about that story on the Fish Tank podcast. So Go check that out with Seth Levitt and OJ McDuffie. Do apologize for some of the audio on that particular podcast there. Got a little bit choppy at points, but I think it's mostly clear. So my apologies for some of the Not terrific audio quality on this flashback Friday, but as for the podcast, that's going to be my time. The next time you guys hear from me, we're going to have a football game to talk about, a Miami Dolphins regular season game to talk about. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.